Does God really want me to be lonely? Loneliness may be a gift that God gives to you to draw you close to himself. And you can be sure that any hardship or trial is meant to do that. Welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and I am really glad that you're joining us for this episode today. This is our eighth installment of Feminology for the year, and I am really excited about this particular episode. It's episode 164, and all year long we've been talking about emotions. If you have been listening for a while, back in January we discussed that emotions are actually something given to us by God, and it's kind of like what we do with our emotions um, that are how we have to decide whether they're God-honoring or whether they're not God-honoring, which would be sinful. And we also want to bring glory to God with our emotions. So we have discussed a lot of different things this year, anger, love, fear, jealousy, despair, and we have more coming because we're only here in August. So stay tuned for all of those. Today, we're going to continue talking. We have a new emotion today and a new guest, which is really exciting. Before we get to actually the emotion, I want to introduce you to my guest, Andrea Ludema. Andrea, I am so glad you're on today. Thank you. I'm blessed to be here. Yeah. Um, are you at all nervous? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the honesty. Thank you. Um, most women that come on are nervous the first time, but then it just is a smooth conversation. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, to kick off, why don't you start telling us a little bit about one of your favorite things from this past week or maybe this past month? Because we just want to find out about you. So I think that um, spending more time with my four children um, and having some long talks with my husband, um, tending to my yard. I, I love gardening and um, and my vegetable garden would be mm. at the top. Um, are, you eat, are you eating things out of your vegetable garden? Uh, yes. Not as much as what I would hope. Okay. What, what's your best thing? So far, cucumbers. Mm. Yes. <laughs> not zucchini, huh? Did you grow zucchini? I have some zucchini planted, but it has not been very fruitful yet. That's crazy. Cause I mine, know. I mean, I think zucchini is like the fruitful vegetable. <laughs> I planted it a little late, so okay. I'm hoping that it's going to pick up speed. Okay. Soon. When everybody's done with zucchini, you're going to have some <laughs> and you're going to be like, yes, I'm making zucchini for dinner, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so your family. Family and nature. I think those are probably two of my favorite things. Okay. And I've been spending a lot of time outside with the kids, without the kids. <laughs> Things, things like that. Nice, nice. I love it. Um, I know that I love to eat all kinds of, it made me think of it, I love to eat all kinds of different foods, Italian, um, Mexican. I like Thai too, Japanese. Mm -hmm. Like the little boxes that you put stuff in for the Japanese, you know, bento boxes. I love that. Um, every year at my house, we do a spring break international week and we eat from different countries. And this year I thought, oh, it'd be fun. Oh, I should say that it is a bunch of work. And it is a bunch of dishes and it's a bunch of groceries. It's a lot of money to do this because you have to buy like that one spice, right. you know, to make it actually taste right, you know, and it's like $18 for a container of spice. Okay. I'm not complaining, but, um, but this year we tried some Dutch things. Now my husband is part Dutch and part Italian. His mom was actually hundred percent Italian. So my husband, Bill is actually 50% Italian. Right. Um, and my dad always told me that we were Italian, that we were Dutch growing up, but I actually think we were German. I just think that at some point they said it sounded better to be Dutch, <laughs> to be honest. I think that's really what happened because I have nothing. But 
um, we tried um, something this year that was a Dutch, it was called Grandma's Dutch Apple Cake, and it was like a little flat cake kind of with apples on it. Oh my goodness. It was so good. It was kind of dense. Anyway, so Andrea, I know you have a special background with um, some specific type of ethnic food. So tell me a little bit about your ethnicity and what are your favorite types of food with that? So Julie, I'm a descendant of Dutch immigrants on both sides of my family. But until I moved away from my roots in West Michigan, I didn't really know what was unique about being Dutch. Oh, that is so funny. Um, Tulips, windmills, wooden shoes come to mind, but like, what else? What else is there? What is what is it? So um, what I discovered after doing some research um, is that the Dutch are not really known for their cuisine. Um, we eat a lot of meat, potatoes, and vegetables. Um, pea soup is a Dutch thing. Okay. I know it comes from other countries too. But, sure. um, but their baked goods, mm. that's where the Dutch excel. Uh, lots of butter, almond um, is standard. Um, and a daily coffee time with a sweet item is very much a Dutch thing. I, I think remember... I may be Dutch. <laughs> I think I realized it's it probably now. probably a little Dutch. You know? <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Uh, my grandparents always had a daily coffee time with a cookie Aww. or some sort of sweet thing. Um, my favorite cookie is made with a spice blend called Speculas. And if you want to try it, um, and if you live in the Midwest, you can go to Meyer, which mm. is Dutch, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. I would have thought that was German. No. Oh. I believe he was Dutch. Okay. Um, I think that's why it's spelled with a J. That is right, because the M-E-Y-E-R would probably be yeah. German. That's yeah. probably how they changed it. Okay. Hmm. Um, Interesting. So you I learn something new every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can buy the Steenstra's Almond Santa Claus Windmill Cookies. They come oh, in wow. a small orange cellophane wrapped package, and they are delicious, especially with coffee. Mm. Um, another favorite would be something called banquette. Um, it's a flaky pastry log filled with a sweet almond filling. It's very popular at Christmas time. Very yummy. Hmm. Okay. What was the name of the spice blend? Speculas. Okay. As you were saying that, it made me think of a doctor instrument. Just on a <laughs> side note. <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> okay. Well, it sounds like I'm going to be stopping at the Meyer on the way home to get some of these cookies. They're really good. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know what? I do like this idea of a daily sweet thing in coffee. We should institute that into American culture here, this little piece of Dutch, but maybe I already did, actually. <laughs> I do do coffee every day. Um, okay. So, Andrea, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, who do you live with? I live with my husband, Roger, and my four children and our dog. Um, I have, my four kids are 16, 14, 11, and four and a half. Yes. And your four and a half year old looks like he's seven because he's very tall. He's a very large child. He's just, he's always been like that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been eating a lot of good Dutch food. Apparently. Yeah. Is your husband Dutch? <laughs> yes. And well, Dutch and German. Okay. But he, did you meet there on West Michigan, in yeah. West Michigan? Okay. Yeah. So he grew up in this too. Yes. So was he a surprise coming to Toledo, our area to go, wait a minute, this stuff is, you know, not as common here? Um... I don't know if we really thought about that, but it is definitely something that, like, when we go back to West Michigan yes. to visit family, there are a few items that we 
occasionally you'll we'll stop to, yeah. and pick up mm-hmm. um, at the stores there because you can't find them here. And one other thing about the west side of the state of Michigan, if you are ever looking for a fun family vacation, oh yeah, I'm just telling you this. Um, if you live in the area where we are recording at, which is Northwest Ohio, you should make a trip to the west side of the state of Michigan. Am I right, Andrea? Oh, definitely. Yes. And um, there's a lot of really cool places. We have been to St. Joseph mm, love it. and Holland. Love that. Ludington. Yep. And this past summer, we went to Mears, Michigan, which is mm-hmm. just a little more north. We're, we're kind of making our way up. We've been to Traverse City. We've yeah. actually been up to Mackinac also, Mackinac City and Mackinac Island. But Michigan is amazing because I really believe that, um, I believe Michigan is just amazing. <laughs> it's a very unique state yeah. because of all of the geological features, yeah. the the lake and yep. the, the way the land is. Um, yeah, the, the beaches are fantastic. Yes. And, and the, um, the tides feel like you're in the ocean. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, and the fruit that grows there yes. is very unique. Um, yeah. I mean, we grow fruit here in Ohio, but there's something about the the air that's and the humidity mm-hmm, coming mm-hmm. off Lake Michigan yep. that really Cherries. makes a difference. Blueberries. Cherries, blueberries, um, strawberries, apples, yes. you name it. Yeah, I feel like we're doing a um, you know a travel documentary <laughs> here, Andrea. So it could be. <laughs> we should travel into our conversation of the day. Okay, <laughs> today we're going to talk about a very important emotion. Um, our topic today is loneliness, and um, it's interesting to me because as we were preparing and making a list of what we wanted to talk about, I thought, is loneliness even an emotion? So um, I think it's kind of tricky. I think we've learned that this year as we've talked about emotions that sometimes there there are like some. It's not like so cut and dry. Not, not at all. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to hearing about this because um, this is one of those types of, and I put around quotes around this, like emotions that every single person I think deals with at some point in their life. So Andrea, I am so looking forward to it. Give us all your wisdom. Well, Julie, I agree that this is a very important topic. Our society is filled with people who are lonely and searching for someone or something to fill that gap. A recent Barna research study showed that three out of 10 Americans feel lonely every day and that about 50% of the people that they surveyed said that they felt lonely about once a week. Those are pretty significant statistics. Loneliness isn't just happening to an isolated few. And loneliness is such a strange thing. You can be in a crowded room with your friends or your family and somehow still feel like you're alone. Hmm. You can have everything that you thought you wanted, but feel empty of the enjoyment of it. Um, You can be out celebrating your greatest accomplishments, but still feel dissatisfied and empty. In 2015, we moved our family to Ohio for my husband's job. We never lived away from our families before or the places where we grew up, So there was some apprehension and a sense of loss, but also a sense of adventure. We quickly became involved in a new church, a new school, uh, started meeting people and making new friends, and things were going well. But I clearly remember a morning when I was getting ready for the day, and grief and loneliness suddenly poured over me like rain. I remember huddling in the shower with hot water and hot tears streaming, feeling so powerless and crying out to God saying, what is this? I heard a word, manna. 
it made me stop. Had I really heard a voice? Was it just in my head? Was I just talking to myself? But I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to me that day and that he was guiding my thoughts to remember how God's chosen people wandering in the desert had received a flaky substance from heaven that was like bread, and they called it manna. God gave the Israelites specific instructions to only gather the amount of manna that their family needed for each day. That was enough. God was teaching the people about his providence, about trust, and about obedience. So what did that mean for me? I understood. God was telling me that he would provide, that he was with me, and that I needed to trust him. I was not alone, but I was lonely. Hmm. Well, like you said, what is loneliness anyway? Is it a mental state? Is it just an emotion? Is it a social construct? Is loneliness okay? Google says that loneliness is feeling sad and unhappy about being socially isolated. An article from Psychology Today described loneliness as, quote, the state of distress or discomfort that results when one perceives a gap between one's desires for social connection and actual experiences of it, end quote. So you could say that loneliness is what you feel when you don't have the kind of connection with other people or a person that you want. We often think of loneliness in the context of being single, divorced, widowed, but actually loneliness is something that affects everyone. To prepare for this talk, I read Elizabeth Elliot's book, The Path of Loneliness. I appreciated so much about this book, and if this topic is one that you can relate to at all, I highly recommend it. One thing from the book that really struck me was that while we are beings that long for fellowship, we are each separate, individuals, alone, and no matter how close you are to another person, you cannot share every part of yourself with anyone else except God. Another part of the book that struck me was Eliot's description of the stages of life and how they each can have a facet of loneliness to them. A child that's being weaned still longs for closeness with its mother, and that mother experiences a sense of loss in that process, knowing that the separation is final. A child struggling to make friends at school feels alone and left out. Despite the excitement of the occasion, a high school graduate suddenly feels a strange sensation of loss and fear. They realize that they've gained their independence, and they're terrified of it. The single person longs for a companion to share their joys, their sorrows, and their daily life with. Getting married, one of the happiest times of life, can actually initiate an experience of loss at surrendering privacy independence, and family closeness. A young mom at home with the children that she loves may long for someone to talk to, someone to understand the long days filled with diapers, sippy cups, and seemingly endless laundry. Someone who is happily married can experience loneliness when in the busyness of 
life and work, they aren't connecting well with their spouse. And an elderly widow confined to a nursing home certainly experiences loneliness as she lives out the last years of her life. Well, what is it about loneliness that makes it so hard? If this was just a feeling, then maybe we could just deal with it and it would pass. And sometimes that is the case. But often loneliness is actually an experience of suffering. Loneliness is a type of suffering and it can be associated with other forms of suffering. When we're lonely, we're suffering the reality of separation from the relationships that we long for or that we were used to. We might experience loneliness because of an illness or death or because we've moved or changed schools or jobs. It might be that you feel alone because you aren't sharing your burdens with anyone or you might actually be alone. To quote Elizabeth Elliot, suffering is a wilderness experience. We feel very much alone and helpless, cut off from others who cannot know how we suffer. We long for someone to come to be our aid, to be company for us, to get us out of this. One of the most significant pains of loneliness is wondering, where is God? Doesn't he care? People tend to associate happiness with lack of suffering. And so being alone and deprived of the connections that we want makes us feel unhappy. This is where the world and the followers of Jesus should differ. Many people will try to fill up the void of their loneliness with anything that makes them feel better. Social media, food, sex, shopping, alcohol, drugs, thrills, and adventures. You name it, they'll cling to anything and everything that makes them forget their pain. Or they might isolate themselves even further in a self-imposed seclusion, seeking comfort, protection, and self-care. They shut people out and perpetuate their own suffering. Even Christians try to find comfort in some of these things, but these are just distractions without satisfaction. They are not all bad things, but when we do this, we're trying to fix our problem in our own way. What we really need is to turn our thoughts and our hearts to the Lord. St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. If you read the Psalms, they are filled with examples of King David calling out to God with raw and honest prayers. Psalm 13, 1 says, How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Psalm 22 verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Psalm 25 verse 16 says, 
Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. In 1 Kings 19, we read that Elijah feared for his life because of evil people, so he ran away. And God came to him and asked, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah complained to God that he was the only one left who served God, which wasn't true. (laughs) Jesus, our Savior, shows us a heart that seeks God rightly. In the hours before his arrest, Jesus says to his friends, as recorded in John 16, verse 32, he says, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. However, Jesus knew the truth about his loneliness. It had purpose. It was accomplishing something that no one could even fathom. His experiences were gaining for us an eternal benefit, not just as our substitutionary sacrifice, but as our high priest, someone who acts on our behalf, he can sympathize with all of our human experiences except for sin. He knows the pain we suffer. He understands. In the last part of John 16, 32, Jesus says, Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. Jesus knew that although it looked like he was alone, the reality was that the Father was always with him. He turned to the Father as his source of strength, direction, fulfillment, and joy. And then he did the work that the Father gave him to do. This is where the follower of Jesus should find help in times of loneliness. God is faithful, and he never forsakes his children. It is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you, is the promise that God gave his people in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. When we are lonely, We need to choose to put our faith in the character of God himself and, like Jesus, focus on the big picture of what God is doing. Our immediate circumstances feel hard, and our human tendency is to feel sorry for ourselves and to try to fix what we think is broken. But we can be sure that what we see and feel is not the whole story. I like to say that God is always up to something, and I firmly believe it is true. Even in the times when our doubts and our fears loom large and when we feel the most alone, we can be sure that God is working out something for our good and his glory. Elizabeth Elliot says in her book, In God's Mysterious Providence, The cross and the crown, suffering and glory are linked. If God did not excuse his own son from suffering, then why do we think that we should not experience the pain of suffering? God often uses 
painful things to shape us, to make us into who he wants us to be, and to get our attention. Suffering is never for nothing. I often think of an analogy that I learned when I was a young woman. We are like stones. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, You yourselves are like living stones, being built up as a spiritual house. When a mason is building with stone, he must choose the right stone for the right place in the structure he's building. And that stone might need to be shaped for a better fit. So the mason will take up his tools, a chisel and a hammer, and he will strike his chisel in such a way as to remove a facet of the stone that would prevent it from fitting in the spot where he wants it. We, the people of God, are the stones, and God is the mason, and he is building us up together into a beautiful house for himself. This speaks to me so much that God picked me up out of the dirt and decided to make me part of his kingdom. And so when I feel the chisel, it hurts. But I can be assured that this wound was intentionally meant to do me the most good, to shape me, to perfectly fit into the place that he reserved for me in his house. Loneliness may be a gift that God gives to you to draw you close to himself. And you can be sure that any hardship or trial is meant to do that. Like Jesus, you are not alone. The Father is with you. Loneliness should make us seek God in prayer, asking him what his will is for us, and find peace in accepting what he has for you today. Jesus showed us this example. He left the glory of heaven and the fellowship with the Father and lived here on earth for 33 years. During his ministry, he was despised and rejected, as Isaiah 53 says. He was homeless. He went hungry. He wept. He knew suffering in life and in death. And he constantly sought his father in prayer. And yes, he did pray for the cup of death to pass from him, but also that the Father's will would be done. He accepted God's will for him, and he gave himself up as an offering to the Father for me, for you, so that we would not perish but have life, life eternal, life victorious, life with him. Jesus shows us that dying is the path to life. When we accept the hard things like loneliness that God brings into our lives and surrender ourselves 
and allow God to have his way in our lives, we find ourselves in a new fellowship, the fellowship of the cross. This fellowship may not seem like what you were hoping for, but without finding peace and satisfaction in God, you cannot find it anywhere else. There are no promises in the Bible that you won't be lonely, but there are statements of truth. You are never alone. Jesus said, I am always with you. I love this quote by Elizabeth Elliot. Peace does not dwell in outward things, but in the heart prepared fully to wait trustfully and quietly on him who has all things safely in his hands. Waiting is an act of submitting and obeying. But waiting doesn't mean doing nothing. In her book, Elizabeth Elliot points us to Psalm 37 for a formula for peace. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil. God will always supply you with what you need in order to do what he calls you to do. When you let go of your own plans and turn your focus away from yourself and place your trust in him and in his plan, you will receive his strength and his joy to live your life for him. And God will do something wonderful with your trust. When a seed falls to the ground, it dies. But God creates life out of that death and new growth and then beautiful fruit. A surrendered life is available to God and he will use it in ways that you might never expect. He will open your eyes to the needs of others and give you opportunities to show love to them and to serve them. When we die to ourselves, Christ lives in us, and we become a channel that he uses to speak his word of truth to others. Our loneliness can be turned into joy when we surrender it to God and then go out and spend ourselves to love to serve, to encourage others, and to share the gospel. God has given us an additional way to be comforted in our loneliness, but it's not a substitute for God first. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God sets the lonely 
in families. Hmm. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Proverbs 27:17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. God made us for fellowship, which kind of means companionship or community. He designed us to have fellowship with him, but also for fellowship with other people. More specifically, his family, the church. In times of loneliness, we can receive great encouragement and support by being part of a local Bible-believing church. Our first reach should always be for God himself. But after that, the family of God can be an immense blessing to anyone, but especially to those who are lonely. I've personally experienced this blessing. When we moved here, women from our new church invited us to play dates at the park, breakfast at Chick-fil-A, zoo meetups, and people invited us to their homes for dinner. Being part of a Bible study or a small group can also give you the opportunity to meet people and to be supported in prayer. This requires vulnerability, and it takes time, but it is well worth it. We can receive encouragement and find companionship within the church, and this also gives us a place to serve and to grow. So today, if you feel lonely, turn your heart to the Lord. Cry out to him. Give him your pain. You are not alone. Trust that your father loves you and has you safely in his hands. Trust that the pain of your loneliness has purpose for your good. Trust that God will supply what you need when you need it. And accept what God has for you today and offer it up to him in praise. Wow, that was so, so good. That's just really poor to even say it like that. That had so much good things in it. And I pulled out three things that I think are really cool about what you said, Andrea. Um, there were just some a lot in there. I, and I think it's helpful because one of the things you said is that we all deal with loneliness. Mm-hmm. And I think Satan wants us to think that we're the only one, that we're alone in dealing with our loneliness, right? For sure, he does. And so what what you talked about was how important it is that we realize we all are. Okay, so Andrea, one of the things that you know I wanted to bring out is the fact that you gave us direction that we need to seek out God first, and that that's just really helpful and vital in overcoming, I don't know if the word's overcoming loneliness or dealing with loneliness, probably dealing with it, because we're always going to have loneliness at some point in our mm-hmm. life. So what do you think? Julie, I think that seeking God first looks first like prayer, crying out to God, telling him how you feel. It's okay. He already knows. <laughs> asking the questions that you have and then asking him for help to show you the way forward and to do what he wants you to do. I heard a saying once, go to the throne, not the phone. <laughs> and That's so good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So going face-to-face with God in prayer should always be our first resource. 
Um, Second, search the scriptures. The Bible, New Testament and Old, is filled with scriptures of encouragement and hope. There are so many uh, verses that you can read, memorize, write on a card, and hang up to remind yourself with. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 say that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God or woman may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That part about training, that's all of life. Scripture tells us what God wants us to know. Hmm. Third, um, I would say don't wallow at home feeling sad. Get out, surround yourself with godly people who can encourage you and walk alongside you. And I don't just mean people who are like you in age or marital status or whatever. Some of the best encouragement that I have received has been from godly women who were older than me and in different stages or situations than me. Hmm. That's really good. That reminds me and brings me to your third big point, which was about keeping ourselves in the local church, right? The local church is this wonderful help in the area of loneliness. And, um, you know, it's interesting. This past, a couple weekends ago, I went on a, to a couple from church's lake house. It was really fun. Um, we went, it was a beautiful lake, and um, I even got to go tubing. And I actually will admit that I actually went tubing. I held on so tight. I was like, I am not going to get flipped <laughs> off this tube. It's not happening. Um, my boys got flipped off a few times. They, they loved every minute of it. Of course. And we came in and we had lunch, and then the couple's son and his wife arrived. And... You know, then after we had dinner, they went back out. Dinner, I guess it was. They went back out on the boat. And about maybe 30 minutes afterwards, I stayed back with the women because I like to talk, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, that is my spiritual gift is talking. <laughs> but um, anyway, I came back and, or they came back and the one lady said, oh, they're coming back kind of early. Hmm. So I thought, uh-oh. So we walked out to the dock where they were and the the woman's son, who's an adult, he's actually in um, ER dock, he said, um, well, a couple things. We had a really great time, and your boys did great on the kneeboard. But um, the the bad news is we got a little issue. And so my son had a towel on his forehead, and he Uh-oh. pulled it away, and there was this gaping, like, inch wound on his forehead. <laughs> Somehow he had got hit in the face with the kneeboard, and this whole family are, like, the epitome of safetyness. So this was truly just an accident, you know. And um, this ER doc said, but the good news is I have my medical bag. Let me see if I can stitch it up. So after a series of events, he was able to stitch it up. But I really thought about this in regard to this conversation about loneliness because a couple things. Number one, we we all have a gaping wound. Mm-hmm. And um, if you are struggling with loneliness, I think it's kind of a gaping wound. Yeah. And usually, like my son, he had no idea how big that wound was. Okay, it was only an inch. But it was big enough that I immediately knew it needed stitches. Mm-hmm. And um, he's my first kid who has needed stitches on a side note. So I'm pretty proud of that. That's amazing. Yeah, he's number six. Um, I'm sure tomorrow someone's going to cut their (laughs) leg open after this. But um, he, so he didn't even know how big it was. He just thought Mm. it was like a little cut, you know? And then, um, so it needed stitches, clearly. Um, Butterfly bandages was not going to work on this one. But we all have a gaping wound. Mm. And um, one thing that I thought about in regard to this is that, you know, um, people in the church, um, this gentleman, he's from my church, he actually stitched up my son. Now, he did the stitching. He didn't do the healing. Right. And But we need people in the church to help yeah. us stitch up our gaping wounds, don't we? Like there's times we have a gaping wound. We might be struggling with loneliness or bitterness or anger 
or whatever, but it is um, really important that we remember that. And then the other part is, you know, like this gentleman, he's, he's an amazing doctor, top-notch doctor. Um, and he was able to stitch up my son, and my son has a really cool story to tell. But he's not the one who actually does the healing. It's right. God, which I felt like really fit in with your talk and what yeah. you shared, because we have to go to God first mm-hmm. in the loneliness. God does the healing. And um, so I guess, you know, as people who are in the church, we need to be looking for people who have gaping wounds and looking for how we can help stitch them up, you know? Yeah, and I think um, for the person who's lonely, it's important that they don't try to cover up that they're mm-hmm. hurting. With the towels? Because, because then people can't see right. and help. Right. So we have to work together. Yeah, because, you know, my son, um, you know, he just had that towel up there. I couldn't see it. But if he, when he took it off, obviously, it was yeah. pretty pretty yeah. evident. And it wouldn't have healed <laughs> right. under that towel. That was not going to do anything, you know. In fact, he'd have a big open scar, probably get infected because little, like, you know, 12-year-old boys are right. not super clean all the time. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that I think is interesting about this is how important it is um, that we... One thing about the story that I, I neglected to tell you is that when they did do the numbing, my son told me later that the first needle was the most painful. Yeah. And then the next needle was kind of painful. This is just to numb it, right. not even heal it. And I was thinking in regard to that about this. Sometimes when we're oh. getting fixed up by those in the church, when someone's coming alongside of us, it's actually going to hurt a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't want to be hurt but it's going to be a little painful to maybe disclose your emotional feelings right then or dealing with some hurt or being told, you know, you're lonely, but you really do need to come to church. You need to be a part of things. Like, you know, yeah. it's going to hurt a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's it's good. Yeah, there wow. needs to be some humility there. Yes, for sure. I've learned there's humility in everything. <laughs> yes. I tend to have trouble with humility, but I think it's important. So, Andrea, thank you so much for coming on and talking and I love that you have life experiences in this. This isn't just you telling us what the Bible says. This is exactly your life and Mm -hmm. that I love. So Mm -hmm. would you pray for us today? Sure. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are all-knowing and all-wise. We thank you for your promises to us that we are never alone and that you will never leave us. May we cling to you, Lord, when we feel weak and prone to wander. Lord, for those who are listening today, who feel lonely, I ask that you would assure them of your love and your care, that you would give them your word of truth, and that you would give them godly companions. Help us, Lord, to stand firm in whatever situation we find ourselves, trusting that you are good and that you only do good. Give us faith that acts and strength for endurance, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And it's time for this episode's Tiny Tidbit. A tiny tidbit is just a small, tiny piece of information that can help you in a really big way. Today's Tiny Tidbit is brought to you by... Ashley Filippelli. Welcome, Ashley. Share with us your tidbit. In a season where I'd moved out of state and was working on building local friendships, I was grateful for a long-distance friendship. My girlfriend, Julie, and I had a standing weekly phone chat. (laughs) We would pick a book to read together. We each read a chapter a week, and then we'd call and talk about what we'd read. 
how is God working in our lives, and pray for each other. Mm. Our favorite authors were the Puritans or Jonathan Edwards, but we also read books by Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth or Nancy Wilson. That's awesome. I love that because you don't have to live far away to do that. No, you don't. You could live in the same city, but I love that, especially if you're called to move away to keep your relationships here. Yeah, it's good to keep friendships. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for your tiny tidbit. Join us next week for a focus on our final book chat installment of the summer. We have been reading Humility by C.J. Mahaney. Um, Andrea, you'll remember that I just mentioned how I've loved talking about pride and humility. (laughs) So, um, you know, but it is really a foundation Mm -hmm. for most everything that we deal with. So it has been so good and so helpful and really very convicting. Um, I hope you join Erica Simpson and I as we discuss our own struggles with pride and humility and how we can seek humility in our everyday life. And don't forget to follow or like us on our Facebook or Instagram account at Women of the Word CTW for some great content. Um, that's really helpful, challenging, encouraging. Um, it comes out Monday through Friday, sometimes even on the weekends. And don't forget to subscribe to Unshaken on your fam- favorite podcast directory. It helps us out, and it also helps you out as you get notifications when new episodes drop each and every Thursday morning. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God, until next time. Until next time.